The Daily Rios, episode 482, Alex Ross's Marvel Timeless Mural, A Breakdown, Part 1. Hey everyone, this is your host, Peter. It's a new month here at The Daily Rios, as I record this on Monday, August 3rd. Have you seen the Alex Ross art project called Marvel Timeless? It's a large group shot by Alex Ross with 35 characters, and the idea behind it is that the designs that he chose for each respective character reflect their most timeless version, or as he stated in an interview, the eternal versions of the characters. Ross stated that when he was first starting to work for Marvel in the early 90s, a lot of the classic looks of many of these characters were going away in favor of new designs and new attitudes, and some had already long been changed. So Marvel Timeless is his way of capturing these characters in a way that can resonate with who they are at their core. And it's very similar to my feeling of the DC Comics Style Guide by uh, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez in the 80s. When I look at those designs, a whole universe of memories and feelings jumps out because Lopez managed to capture the essence of those characters and the designs that resonate for so many readers. And like the Style Guide, Ross intended this project to be used for marketing and for posters or cover corner boxes. And of course, Marvel is using them for 28 individual variant covers. Now, as Ross was working on the project, he got the notion that it should really be displayed life-sized as a mural, which then meant an addition of around 10 more characters from the original drawing, taking it to the final count of 35. And eventually the project was put up as a mural in the Marvel offices. You can see a whole YouTube video um, as they put the mural on a a large wall. So if you're looking at the image, uh, I believe the original layout went from the vision on the left to Cyclops on the right. The characters beyond them uh, were added as the project grew. So... This episode is about why why these characters, uh, why these designs, and uh, why is this a breakdown episode. So let's start. The 35 characters uh, from left to right are Ghost Rider, Namor, She-Hulk, Human Torch, Silver Surfer, with his board, Invisible Girl, Mr. Fantastic, Shang-Chi, Master of Kung Fu, Vision, Spider-Woman, Scarlet Witch, Thing, Daredevil, Thor, Iron Man, Storm, Spider-Man, Hulk, Captain America, Wolverine, Colossus, Black Widow, Black Panther, Nightcrawler, Doctor Strange, Phoenix, Cyclops, Angel, Iceman, Beast, Falcon, Black Bolt, Medusa, Hawkeye, and finally, The Punisher. As I kept seeing this image and kept seeing articles about the uh, about this image and this project, I got the notion that this could make for a really cool jumping off point using the timeless theme to talk about the stories and comic books that resonate the most for me for each individual character. Uh, I once did a similar footnotes episode over on CGS where I talked about the origin and continuity of Donna Troy by using three connected Phil Jimenez covers from the Titan series in 2000. 
So by using this Alex Ross artwork, I get to do a similar breakdown approach and talk about characters that I don't usually chat about, especially considering I don't talk much about Marvel to begin with these days. This episode, this first part of five, will take a look at my thoughts on the image as a whole. And, and then I've split up the image in four sections, and those episodes will be released throughout the rest of the week, where I'll talk about the individual characters, the stories that come to mind, and maybe some design elements, too. Uh, mostly because I'm trying to keep these lo-fi podcasts short, as I explained last episode, so that's why you're getting um, five episodes this week. Now, these are my reactions, not anything that was talked about officially from an interview or press release. Uh, so if I'm contradicting anything you've read or heard, cool. That's great. You know, like my other breakdown episodes, uh, I'm exploring this image from my experience with the characters and with the large, larger Marvel universe and its history uh, that I've come to know based on, you know, what I've read and what I've learned. So no doubt your reactions will and should be different. The first thing I wanted to see is which of these characters in this larger image is the youngest in its creation, mostly to see if there was some kind of cutting cutoff point. Now, you got Namor the Submariner, uh, who is the oldest character on the image, dating back to Marvel's first comic in 1939. And if my research is sound, the youngest character is She-Hulk from Savage She-Hulk 1 in late 1979 or cover date February 1980. So that means there's no one else after late 1979. Okay, so you could say that means that this image is capturing the Bronze Age Marvel, even 70s Marvel, and that more or less holds up. Now, obviously, you don't get any of the licensed properties from that time, such as Conan or Star Wars or Micronauts or ROM, uh, or if you don't want to ruffle any feathers, pun intended, you keep off Howard the Duck, right? But as a whole, when you look at this image and you look at the characters, it is a nice snapshot of Marvel's comic book output around the time that She-Hulk's first appearance hit the stands. And I mean this in terms of characters in this image who have their own self-titled comics, or they are appearing in team comics at the time, or even in anthology titles. So if it's meant to be that era, I do think it's interesting that Nick Fury isn't present. Uh, I could easily see... Nick Fury replacing the Punisher um, because Fury had a title that was running in the 70s. Although counter to that, unlike most of the others on this image, I'd also argue that um, maybe the reason why Nick Fury isn't on the image is because Samuel Jackson's version is really the new timeless version of Nick Fury. You know, with all these other characters, the costumes have changed or evolved or been updated, but not their noticeable ethnicity, you know? So perhaps Marvel didn't want too much of a difference between what was on the mural and what is in the larger mass awareness of um, Marvel fans, even if they are just Marvel movie fans. I mean, there is quite a difference between the Nick Fury of the 70s and, you know, what we have today. 
Um, I think the same could be said of not putting in 70s-era Ms. Marvel as a way to not negate the exposure she now has as Captain Marvel. Um, although that difference is, is, you know, not as strong as what happened with Nick Fury. Also not in this picture, if we're going, you know, with that era, that late 70s era, there's no Power Man and Iron Fist, which is odd considering they have had TV shows and, um, you know, their designs are different, but not all that different. And out of all the characters on this image, uh, three haven't appeared in any live action uh, series or movie officially. Uh, Namor, She-Hulk, and Spider-Woman. Shang-Chi will have his own movie eventually, so, um, you know, it makes sense why he's on, on the image. I'm not sure who I would replace Power Man and Iron Fist with. Maybe Vision and Scarlet Witch? I mean, they were Avengers, but it feels like their inclusion is because of their media counterparts. Um, you know, if you're going timeless with the Avengers, especially ones that have other media appeal, why no Ant-Man, right? Or just generally, when it comes to the Avengers, why no Wasp or Wonder Man? Or with the X-Men, no Banshee, right? Um, all the rest, though straight out of Marvel Comics on the stands as of late 1979. It really makes sense visually. And it makes sense with what I think is Ross's vision of Marvel and probably, uh, you know, what he thinks of um, when he was reading comics uh, when he was younger and, and working on the characters and working on the, desi the designs that, um, you know, he loves. So... Now, what about the design? Does late 1979, does that cutoff hold true when it comes to the, to the design of these characters? And mostly, yes. Oddly enough, to use She-Hulk again, it is not true for She-Hulk. Since she's in this purple leotard on the image, right? She's not sporting her savage She-Hulk look with the torn and tattered button-down white top. Uh, instead, she's wearing the purple leotard that she started to wear after she had left the Fantastic Four during the burn run. And she started to show up in Avengers in starting in issue 278 from the start of 1987. At least I think that's the first time she wears this uh, purple leotard look. Um, she, has, she had worn a leotard before, but not this particular color, I don't think. So now we're going up to late 86, early 87. That cutoff doesn't hold true with a lot of the characters, because really, a bunch of these characters would have been altered majorly, design-wise, by early uh, 1987, right? Storm would be in her mohawk punk look, Iron Man would be in his red and silver armor, the original five X-Men would be in their X-Factor costumes. Beast would be human. Um, the Fantastic Four would be in their negative blue, black, and white burn-designed outfits. Spider-Man, uh, I believe, was sporting the black costume at this time. Not to mention, if we're going to go all the way up to 86, 87, character-wise, where's Kitty Pride? right? I mean, even though she appeared a month before She-Hulk, uh, she really, you know, had her fame in the early 80s. There's no Rogue, no Electra, no New Mutants, no Spider-Ham. Um, so, so that later 
cutoff doesn't really ring true. It really brings me back to the late 79 cutoff with She-Hulk just being the anomaly design-wise, as well as Wolverine. So let's talk about Ross putting the character in his brown suit version, not the yellow and blue version. So Byrne redesigned Wolverine's look in mid-1980, well after She-Hulk's first appearance. Um, that was during the... Uh, I think it was after the Dark Phoenix saga. So uh, this, if I go back to the late 1979 cutoff, Wolverine should be in the yellow and blue look. But again, to counter that, my own argument, you could say that the reason that Ross put Wolverine in the brown costume is because I believe Wolverine has worn that costume the longest over his publishing uh, history. And perhaps that's why it wins out. Um, you know, if if I want to be strict about it, I would put him in the yellow and blue, but there's a very real argument why he's in the brown. And that's one that I don't really, I don't know which preference I have on that. Um, I'd be curious to hear what listeners would think. You know, which one do you think is timeless when it comes to Wolverine? The yellow and blue um, during his uncanny early Uncanny X-Men days or uh, the brown um, that I always tend to associate with the miniseries, right? The first Wolverine miniseries or even with his um, solo adventures. So curious to, to know what you think. Um, but the others, again, fairly spot on for 1979 design-wise. Um, and it also, as I said, makes sense why these particular characters are used as well. So as I said before, uh, I'll go over um, their individual looks here and there in subsequent episodes. So there you go. That's it for this episode. My, my initial reactions, just my speculations as to uh, why these characters were picked, um, the image as a whole, where I think it falls, um, uh, even if it has no bearing on, on the decisions at all. You know, you could probably just say these are the characters that Ross likes to draw, or maybe these some of these characters are characters that he doesn't get to draw enough in these versions, so that's why he picked them. Who knows? But this is just my little um, breakdown of the image as a whole concept-wise. Next episode, I'm going to start on the right side of the image with the Punisher through to Angel. And as I said, I'll dig into their appearances um, design-wise, but what I'm going to do is look at these characters and talk about the stories that immediately come to mind um, when I think about who they are, timeless or otherwise, right? I, I'm probably going to go all over their publishing history, but it'll really just be about what stories have I read with these characters and, and which stories stand out. So... Send me your thoughts, Peter, at thedailyrios.com or leave a comment on the website, thedailyrios.com. Uh, I want to give an update on my um, fundraiser for uh, a new laptop as I'm recording this on my iPhone. Um, one of the pledges so far from Kurt M. entitled the fundraiser Operation Rebuild, which I kind of love. So thank you, Kurt. So in just... Uh, two, three days, I am at 21% of my goal, which is, uh, you know, one-fifth of the way to, to my goal, which is really amazing. I mean, truly, I, the generosity has been touching. People have been reaching out. 
um, you know, I've been communicating back and forth and just, uh, you know, it's kind of fun to hear where they've started listening, uh, either to the Daily Rios or CGS, and just that they're reaching out and, you know, and again, just so generous. Um, I'm not one to ask for help. So this is, um, this has been a much needed spirit boost, uh, you know, and this is a big reason why I wanted to do this series of episodes uh, for this week, kind of like a thank you, you know, because this is a topic that I just kicked around last week, I think, uh, and it just kind of came out of the blue. So I was like, yeah, you know what, let's do this. This will make for some fun short episodes, and um, I can keep you all updated on the fundraiser. So if you are interested uh, and you're able to donate, you can email me and I will send you uh, the link. Um, or if you just want the link uh, right now, um, you can just go to um, www.paypal.me slash the daily Rios. But again, if you don't want to remember that, just give me an email, peter at the daily Remember that that email is not my PayPal email uh, account um, name. So either go to the link or, like I said, I can send you the link. Um, and I'm also more than happy if you just, all you can do is just retweet one of my tweets based on the fundraiser. Um, if that's all you can do, that goes a long way to getting the word out. And uh, again, just thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone who donated so far. I will definitely do an episode um, once the fundraiser wraps up about, you know, all, you know, just to thank everybody. Um, and I'm also getting some ideas. Uh, some of the emails are coming in with topics or, or, or some of the podcasts that you're interested in or have been interested in. So I'm, you know, keeping a lot of that so that I can um, talk about some of those things later. All right, this has been the Daily Rios episode 482 for Monday, August 3rd. Talk to you soon.